I had a fry every day this summer. Working on building sites. You know, now again, we didn't win, so maybe it wasn't the right thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> I should have been there, the food, the pasta. <laughs> OTB AM, live, weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. Welcome along. Tuesday's off the ball coming at you. Shamrock Rovers are on the cusp of a European group stage once again. We will be right across tonight's game in North Macedonia. Rovers are 3-1 to the good from the first leg. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Serena Williams, meanwhile, has announced her retirement. She has just the 23 Grand Slam singles titles, 37 if you include doubles as well, and is generally Margaret Court doff of the cap to you, but generally regarded as the greatest in the history of ladies tennis. Caitlin Thompson will talk to us about the life and times of Serena Williams. That is coming your way. Special Roadshow recorded during the week. We have Galway's Shane Walsh and Kerry's Sean O'Shea in conversation together. So, Everything up for discussion. Walsh has moved to Kilmacud, the art of free-taking, the recent All-Ireland final, all covered with the lads and Tommy Rooney. And then the football show after nine. It would seem uh, dark clouds already over Villa Park. Dan Bardell will talk to us about that. And then Tony Evans is a really good guest. He's going to talk to us about Liverpool's start to the season. Mate McCarthy, hello. Hey, Joe. And Richie McCormick, hello to you. Gentlemen, how are you? Very well. 53106, the text number. We are at off the ball on Twitter. So Serena Williams, uh, the main global sports story of the day. We'll talk to Caitlin Thompson around half past seven. It is quite the record. 23 Grand Slam singles titles, 73 titles in singles generally. Another 14 Grand Slam doubles with Venus. She has four Olympic gold medals. She spent, gold medals. I know, 319 weeks at number one and is the highest earning female athlete of all time. 40 years of yeah. age. Not she, bad. I think it is fair to say that if you look at men's professional sport, Tiger Woods was so far and away ahead of everybody in his field that he, you know, it's almost a, a it's almost a, a benchmark to say Tiger Woods. Serena is that in female sports, I would say, you know, and at the era in the men's game where we had uh, Federer, uh, Djokovic and Nadal all at the same time battling it out, the greatest of all time was playing and winning Grand Slams twice, three times a year on the, uh, at the women's game. And you even look at it now since she's kind of, she's still playing, obviously up until the end of this year but she hasn't been as um, she hasn't been as prevalent yeah, and no, no grand what is the women's game at the moment what is women's tennis and we're struggling to find we're struggling to find that 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 uh, person to focus on or that star because Serena Williams was so far and away the entire game for so long that she's almost left the sport behind her you know a little so bit, yeah. it's, it's a bit know. like Woods there's a vacuum afterwards yeah. when somebody that big disappears you struggle for a couple of years it seems like even looking at a record against all of the quote unquote big rivals none of them really uh, could lay much of a glove on her to be fair Martina Hingis but at the time Williams was still really finding her groove but Hingis Williams had a 7-6 winning record against her Capriati 10-7 winning record against her 10-7 Justin Nen 8-6 Sharapova they played 22 times Williams won 20 wow the complete domination of Sharapova and of course uh, Venus, you know, and they play 31 matches. Serena has that rivalry, 19-12. But crucially, if you take their nine Grand Slam finals, Serena's 7-2 up. Yeah. So, yeah, she was no one who could touch her. Like, Venus was this superstar who changed the game and her younger sister came along 
like a like she what she three four years younger than her, but came came back came through like a year later mm. and took over. You know, almost immediately. It, it's one of those things that Venus Williams will be always remembered as Serena's sister, despite probably having yeah. like double digit Grand Slams herself. Have you seen King Richard? No, I haven't seen it. I was thinking about it, it today. I was thinking about what's my reason. Oh, I watched it recently. Oh, sorry. I thought you said well, I was on this some very you're, prosecutorial you're, joke. You're a busy man. You're a busy man. Uh, Will Smith gives an Oscar-winning performance. Yeah, of yeah. course. Was yeah. it an Oscar-winning performance, though, or did it just was it just a performance that happened to win an Oscar? Uh, maybe a touch more of the latter, but still a very good performance. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, nothing about it will be remembered given uh, events of the ceremony, but uh, the movie finishes with uh, I was about to call him King Richard let's just call him Richard Williams <laughs> the movie finishes with uh, Richard Williams and he sees um, this is uh, around the time Venus is really arriving on the international stage because it's, I mean, it's actually a much better film than I thought it was going to be I just thought because they were involved in it yeah, I thought it would be a bit too happy clappy and everything's perfect and it, you know it wasn't that but there's um, a moment where Serena is standing looking out at the court and you can tell she's a bit jealous because she's that bit younger and she's watching Venus take the limelight and she's thrilled for Venus but you know she's thinking ugh mm. getting impatient and whether this happened or not I don't know but Richard Williams in the guise of Will Smith walks over to her and he's, he looks at her and this is very right at the end of the movie he says Venus is going to be a world number one you're going to be the greatest of all time and we'll talk to Caitlin I do want to know if that was always the sense yeah. from way out my earliest memory, and Richie, you might remember this too, is like when they were so close and they mm. came through and look, I'm sure the film goes through that in their early days and their family situation, the fact that they're from, you know, tennis Compton. superstars from Compton. It's, it's just so such insane. An I, I think yeah. sometimes you get used to that story because we've known it for 25 years, but it doesn't stop it from being absolutely incredible, you know. Uh, but when they, when Serena came through and she was probably 16, Venus was already a star and they met like in a Wimbledon final and it just it was far too emotional it was almost hard to watch it was like they didn't Serena doesn't want to go out and beat her sister like that should have been almost the end of the film if it was about them rather than Richard Williams it would have been you know it's like Serena doesn't want to go out and beat her sister but does you know and becomes the Wimbledon champion and then just balls cries ball, ball and crying for the whole presentation ceremony I remember it really really well I don't remember anything else as well from the rest of her 20 year career 23 I, re I remember those career. finals I remember those finals as being deeply unsatisfying actually um, when you had sister versus sister because it was always a question mark of like how seriously are either of them or can either of them take it given how like they're obviously their sisters they both come up together they both come up through you know uh, unusual circumstances uh, both in their family life and I guess they'd be miles different to the other people that surrounded them on the circuit like um, but I there was always something really flat about those finals. And to hear that seven of those 23 that Serena won at the start of her career without wanting to take Anton away from her were against her sister. Um, I don't know. They, they always just left me cold and with a, more of a question mark over what that final would have been like if A and other had been in there against either Venus or Serena. But like, there's no, I don't think there's any denying her career and her status as the, like, great players are not just measured in like the amount of medals that they've won and it, I don't think the amount of Grand Slams that Margaret Court won should mean that she's a better player than Serena Williams I think for Williams overall longevity how she changed the perception of, of women's tennis and just her sheer dominance at times when she like she'd go away and like you talked about weeks at number one I'd love to know how many weeks and there's probably a, a stat to be made out of this how many weeks were done or many weeks uh of, or many Grand Slam, sorry, she won while not number one 
because she would in the latter half of her career take these massive gaps between tournaments and essentially only warm up for the for the grand slams mm. come in and win it yeah. and then disappear for three months yeah and it was just uh it was it was just incredible to be able to pick and choose and still dominate like that is is is, is something else well that was especially woods-esque because in the way he would peak for the majors and just come back and win one and disappear again for a couple of weeks um, she's a complicated character in many ways and, and even the on-court demeanour has never been straightforward. Like, she won me back because there is a self-awareness. She was talking to Vogue. That's how the announcement was made today. And uh, she was uh, talking about... As you do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's better than the Notes app, just a bit, isn't it? It is a bit, yeah. Actually, interestingly, she was, she was the first ever female black athlete on the cover of Vogue. So, you know, she's breaking barriers all over the place. Not today. This was a number of years ago. But she was under Vogue about... Um, being a very emotional player and she said unlike Venus who's always been stoic and classy I've never been one to contain my emotions I remember learning to write my alphabet for kindergarten not doing it perfectly crying all night we did see that in the on-court demeanour which wasn't always pleasant like there's nope. no point saying this was like an entirely pleasant Roger Federer kind of you know uh, it was kind of royalty uh, type career like the one where she really lost me for a while because I guess you kind of just, I tend to root for greatness. So Serena Williams, you just kind of want her to win yeah. the way. But she really lost me for a couple of years after the final against Osaka in 2018. And if you remember, that was when Carlos uh, Ramos, the umpire, she called him a thief and she called him a sexist. They're big allegations. You know, this is, a, this is a big thing to label somebody. This is on the court. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. like double down pretty much That's, in the yeah. press conference, you know. She did take it to the press conference a lot, oh, you yeah, know, the demeanour, yeah. the on-court demeanour. Yeah. It didn't always kind of like, it wasn't always... She wanted to cool down. Roses, yeah, yeah. Once, we get, once we got to the press I, conference. I, it's funny, I was just watching it back again. So he's penalising her because she's been coached from the sidelines. Mm. and so she, But she makes a real point of going to Ramos and saying, you know, he's given me the thumbs up, my coach. I know you think we have a code, we don't, and I understand why you think that, but you know, you owe me an apology and the crowd erupts. But he penalised her a few more times and she goes ballistic very memorably. And, you know, it's funny when she was talking about um, sexism or this sense of like a disparity in power, because really there was only one person who had the power there. She starts screaming at him at one point, you will never umpire in a court of mine again. <laughs> you know, Like there was only one person in charge there. And she says to him things like, I've never cheated in my life. I have a daughter. I'd rather lose than cheat. You owe me an apology. And then she started appealing to another um, female, uh, somebody in a, in a suit, I know, like a higher up okay. person had come down because it was getting so out of control. The tournament and, ref. Yeah. And, and she was like, it's because I'm a woman. You know, she was saying all this. But then her coach afterwards admitted, oh, yeah, I was totally coaching her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, again, that just makes her more three dimensional. I'm not saying, but for a while I kind of thought, oh, don't love that. But, um, you know, she's kind of self-aware enough to know yeah. that she gets emotional. That's fine, too. It makes it more interesting. I also think that, you know, Serena Williams has been, it's a weird thing. And again, not to always br- to bring it back to Tiger Woods, but I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of similarities. You're talking about someone that was a superstar since they were, in this case, 16. Yeah. You know, and in LA, friends with like the Kardashians and like a non-sporting, full-on celebrity. Yeah. One of the biggest celebrities in America. All the while competing at the top of her game. She didn't do that thing that we often see where somebody will become a celebrity before they've achieved much and flutter off and be known more as the mm. person in the magazines than the person on the court. 
she did both at the same time and I just you know it's obviously going to create at the very very least a complicated character sure um, she's 40 now she's been in that kind of limelight since she was uh, you know in her mid-teens uh, but I know I'm just I'm always fascinated by how the, the high achieving sports person in her there's a humility that's needed in that in a way you know what I mean Keep because you've got to go and yeah, do the work yeah. no for sure you know but it's mixed with this celebrity lifestyle just it, it's an interesting kind of correlation yeah for sure and look I don't want to overstate that moment because in a 20 odd plus year career she's allowed to lose her temper a couple of times but it was, yeah. it was definitely she lost her temper a few times she did yeah <laughs> uh, the news round is brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day Richie yeah, we'll start with Serena. She has all but confirmed her retirement. She says she didn't like using that word, but she's told Vogue magazine that she's evolving away from tennis. The 40-year-old is competing in Toronto this week. She actually won her first match in over a year last night, and she says the upcoming US Open will be her final Grand Slam. Williams has won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, one shy of the record holder Margaret Court. And in her article, Williams says she's moving away from tennis and wants to grow her family. And speaking after her first-round win in Toronto yesterday, Williams was asked what she's looking forward to most after tennis. At this point in your um, career, or your life, what is it that uh, continues to drive you or keeps you hungry in the sport? Um, I don't know. I guess there's just a light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) What is that like? I don't know. I'm getting closer to the light. So that's... (laughs) Yeah, so that's like, lately that's been... (laughs) That's been it for me. I can't wait to get to that light. I know you're joking, but can you... I'm not joking. Okay, so then explain to me what what the light is to you, what the light represents. Freedom. Yeah. I love playing, though. It's, It's like, it's amazing, but, you know, it's like, I can't do this forever. So it's just like, sometimes you just want to try your best to enjoy the moments and do the best that you can. Caitlin Thompson will chat to us half past seven this hour. Meanwhile, Shamrock Rovers, Richie. Yeah, they've taken a 3-1 lead to North Macedonia for the second leg of their Europa League qualifier with Shkupi. Should the hoops progress tonight, they'll be guaranteed at least a place in the group stage of the Conference League. Stephen Bradley has made three changes to last week's side with Sean Gannon, the injured Chris McCann and Graham Burke replaced by Dan Cleary, uh, Richie Tell and Aaron Green. So Rovers line out with Alan Manis in goal. A back three then of Sean Hoare, Dan Cleary and Lee Grace. Ronan Finn and Andy Lyons provide the width. Richie Tell, Dylan Watts and Gary O'Neill are in midfield with Aaron Green up in support of Rory Gaffney. Kickoff in Skopje is at eight. While Rangers must overturn a 2-0 first leg deficit if they're to reach the playoff round in the Champions League. They trail Belgian side Union Saint-Gilles ahead of tonight's second leg at Ibrox. Kickoff there is at 7.45. The Rovers game not on television, which isn't ideal. Has a stream been sorted out? There was mixed messages. LOI TV have uh, sorted out streams and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's available worldwide uh, if you head to LOI TV, apart from, I think it's territories in around the, you know, surrounding North Macedonia. So Kosovo and Albania, I don't think get it. But everywhere else, wherever you happen to be listening to us tonight, if you want to watch uh, the Rovers Scuppy game, uh, you can do on LOI TV. Though it only came pretty late. late it looked, yeah. it looked Very for a late. while that there was yeah. going to be nothing. And this is like obviously a huge bloody day in Shamrock Rovers history, you know what I mean? On the verge of uh, qualification for the Europa League. And, you know, there was talk, and I'm sure, I'm not sure if it was the case, that uh, this was some North Macedonian revenge for uh, Airport Gate yeah. a week ago, uh, where the club did actually call on the government 
to take revenge uh, now. So hopefully, it, it, seem, it seems like everything's been worked out. It is just a pity that this isn't on television. And I do understand the reasons and the rights aren't easy to get for, you know, that the, obviously Macedonians control the rights. Um, so it's not like a straightforward thing for RT to just say, we want to show this game, therefore we'll put it on. But I do think regardless of whether it should be or whether, you know, more could be done, it's a pity. Mm. Like, you know, the Irish champions are in a really, really good position on the verge of qualification for the Europa League. It should be on TV. Mm. Where are we going next, Rich? Uh, we are going to the draw for the semi-finals of the Evoke.ie FAI Cup where Holders Wexford Youths have been drawn away to Athlone in the semi-finals. The other semi will pit league champions Shelburne at home to Bohemians and those ties will be played on the weekend of September the 25th. Down have a new football manager. They do indeed. Connor Laverty is going to be double jobbing with Down next year. The Kilku man was confirmed as James McCartan's successor as senior football manager last night. But Laverty is to merge the senior job with that of Down under 20 manager. Last year, he led the under 20s to an Ulster title. Marty Clark and Declan Morgan will assist Laverty with the senior panel duties. Cavan last night confirmed that Mickey Graham is going to continue as their senior football manager for another two years. And Liam Kearns is the front runner to succeed John Mohan as Offaly senior football manager. It's reported that a change in work commitments led to the previous favourite Tommaso Shea dropping out of the running Kearns has been manager of Clondonale in Roscommon for the past couple of years following his departure from the Tipperary job and it seems Colin Collins as well is going to continue on in Clare hmm. Longest serving manager in the GEA or at least in football anyway Yeah, sticking around that's four jobs for Liam Kearns now four county jobs did a great job with Limerick did a great job with Tipperary obviously getting them to like all our semi-finals but uh I think it was leash in between that might not have gone as well. Mm. And now to Offaly again, like that's it's it's some tour of service. On Serena Williams, yes, Katie says, US sport meant Rushmore. Oh no. Serena no. has to be on there. Who misses out? Woods, Ali, Brady, Jordan, etc. The US meant Rushmore, it would be impossible. It's all very recent as well. Like, I mean, how can you not have Babe Ruth on there? Yeah. You know, like I mean, the, the, like baseball has to come into it. It's the it's it's the Jackie sport Robinson. that invented it all. Jackie Robinson for how important everything he was. Michael Phelps does he not get a mention? Michael Phelps, I don't know. Like I mean, uh, there's there's people that I can't even think of right now. Like Jesse Owens. Yeah, it's possible. You know, <laughs> don't even know. Carl Lewis. Yeah, yeah no, we'll leave Carl Lewis off. He's he's on he's on the the the, the hill beside Mount Rushmore. Mm. <laughs> uh, Serena probably is the goat. But Steffi has to be in the conversation, says uh, tennis oh, fan Steffi here. Graf. Comparable and ahead in some metrics and took up the mantle of outstanding player in the post-Narvadalova era. Dominant mostly for a decade. Manny would give her the goat accolade. Is if, if Monica Seles wasn't stabbed, mm. would Steffi Graf be on such a pedestal is the question. But I think she was in probably a more competitive era. Yeah. Uh, at least for some parts of it. You kind of mentioned some of the players at the early part of Serena's career when she broke through and dominated. That was a pretty, uh, uh, was a pretty full Very good. Yeah. She kind of just saw a lot of them off. I yeah, think. exactly. She yeah. broke their spirits almost initially. So uh, Manchester United, well, they had the courage of their convictions, if nothing else, Richie. <laughs> yeah, they'll be conducting Twitter polls next to uh, discuss their business. But Manchester United have pulled out of a deal to sign Marco Arnautovic. His club, Bologna, refused United's initial bid of €9 million Euro for the Austrian striker at the weekend. It is believed that negative fan reaction has also informed United's decision to end their pursuit. However, United are moving closer to a €20 million Euro deal for Juventus midfielder Adrian Rabiot. Talks with Veronique uh, remain ongoing. 
I mean, negative fan reaction. <laughs> I was so disappointed as just somebody who enjoys this kind of stuff to see that they'd uh, withdrawn their interest in Arnautovic. It's like, you know, it was the story that just would have went on and on and on and on. But uh, If they are basing this on negative fan reaction, yeah. just imagine the conversations going on behind the scenes of this place. Twitter really doesn't like it. Twitter really doesn't like it, guys. We need to I, I don't understand what these fans want. I mean, they asked for a striker. They said we know strikers. We got a striker. He's an international. He's yeah. played in the Premier League. He's played in Italy. He's played in China. Yeah. Surely, what more could they possibly want? Although you just would be amazed behind the scenes at how um, uh, swayable it all is. Because uh, even at the weekend, the Sunday Times had some board minutes from the FAI around the time they were making the Stephen Kenny McCarthy thing. Yeah. And like they, you know. John Delaney and, and board members are saying things like, you know, John Giles just said he wants Stephen Kenny. Richard Dunn's just written an article about Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> this is what they're bringing to the table, you know, what's been in the Evening Herald that afternoon. Yeah. So um, I'm not shocked that they backed out of Arnautovic for these reasons, but um, what a mess. Andy Mitten was on with us last night. He said Arnautovic was very much a Ten Hag idea. So... Yeah, so that's another thing then. It's like, does regardless of whether this was a terrible Ten Hag idea or not, it's probably not an early sign that uh, something like that is floated. The fans go absolutely mental and the club say, oh, no, we're not going to do that. And now it's like this cloud hanging over the manager. Does this guy know what he's doing? And very, very quickly we're into massive negativity, not helped by the fact that they were terrible on Sunday and lost. He'd be sacked by Thursday. (laughs) Will he make Brentford (laughs) on Saturday evening? Liverpool on Monday looms large, doesn't it? Monday week. Is that it? All oh, yeah. right, okay. Do you remember the la- last two seasons? Certainly last season, we built ourselves up to Liverpool United games a couple of occasions thinking, you know, like, you know, United will have to show something now. They'll have to show a bit of bottle and, you know, yeah. they, they could turn up on the day. And then we sat in here specifically for the second one and just watched them get absolutely annihilated because they're not in the same league at the moment yeah. as Liverpool. And there was nothing about getting up for the game that was going to solve anything. I, I, it's funny, I called 4-0 that night. You did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, what was it, 5 the previous the previous five at Old Trafford yeah, in October yeah yeah nine nil and I forget <laughs> so uh, Everton have spent some money they have indeed yeah Everton making Amadou Onana their third most expensive signing in the club's history the Premier League club have paid Lille an initial fee of 36 million euro for the Belgian international midfielder Onana has signed a five year deal at Goodison Park and his arrival follows the completion of a loan deal last night for Wolves defender Connor Cody yeah still only 20 so obviously a big prospect and Everton's starting to spend some money slowly but surely. Uh, meanwhile, Timo Werner. We hardly knew you, Timo. Yeah, Orby Leipzig have confirmed the signing of Timo Werner from Chelsea. The forward has cost an initial €30 million, euro, having left the Bundesliga club for almost double that two years ago. Werner has signed a four-year contract at Leipzig, where he will be joined next season by Salzburg's Benjamin Szeszko. Uh, that deal completed as well this morning. Uh, Darren says, did you guys see the picture of Frankie de Jong and Xavi last night? Incredible. I haven't, no. I saw the picture of Xavi making a speech and all of the players behind him in a line in their jerseys applauding, but Frankie de Jong very conspicuously had his arms folded. I presume that's the picture you're talking about, unless there's one like a Mick McCarthy, Roy Keane-esque one as well. But um, I'm not surprised. Like I do, I was listening to uh, Simon Jordan this morning who would have a feel for football finances and contracts and his assessment of what they're trying to do to de Jong is to almost say this 17 million pounds deferred wages that we owe you, uh, that, that somehow the contract has been reset, even though like this is nonsense, but they're trying to make this argument it's been reset 
and we'll see you in court in 18 months, two years. We'll spend everything we need to spend. Mm. In the meantime, what do you want to do, by the way? Yeah. Best to look, do you think you're going yeah. to play for us? Play with the kids. Yeah. So it's it's a real, it's a really terrible tactic on Barcelona's part. It's awful. Yeah. It's awful. Like, I mean, and look, it's not, the, I think we can make, we can exceptionalise Barcelona a little bit in this. Football clubs do this with players. They try to get rid of them. They bomb squad. Yeah. I've used that expression a good bit in the last few weeks for some reason, but that's, that is what they do, you know, and they just try and get rid and they try and freeze people out. Yeah. Um, but, can't take but this million. is one thing that's happening is that there is that sort of sense of fairness that we all have that he made a deal with them yeah. based on COVID and everything that was going on and they're reneging on that deal. Now again, if that's not something that's like completely exceptional to Barcelona, it's the way football clubs operate fine, but it's something feels just so wrong about it. Yeah. Know? Um I presume that's the picture you're talking about. That was the one that jumped out to me today. I saw that anyway. We'll um check in, I'm sure, over in La Liga very soon. The league starts this weekend coming. So uh good afternoon for Ireland and the cricket, Rich. Yeah, Ireland's cricketers have finally registered a first win of their summer at the 11th time of asking. They've beaten Afghanistan by seven wickets in their first of five T20 internationals at Stormont. Andy Balbernie and Lorcan Tucker both scored half centuries for the hosts today and the sides will meet again on Thursday. Okay, fellas, we are just about out of time. Richie, thanks, Mill. Nice and gents. Mick McCarthy, thank you. Cheers.